This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. Happy spring, new life, rebirth, hope is in the air. Maybe you're gathering with family and friends this weekend, and maybe remembering some folks who aren't at the dinner table when you gather, maybe those who have passed on. Today's guest is a world-renowned psychic medium who has an uncanny knack of connecting with the memories of those who have passed on. Tyler Henry is a young man who quickly shot to fame and was known as the Hollywood medium. He has a new series now on Netflix called Life After Death. So when the radio station got pitched to talk to him, I jumped on it. I said, we have to talk to Tyler Henry, but we got shut out. You know, hundreds of other stations around the nation jumped on it, too. But I just didn't give up hope. I had a feeling somebody's going to drop out and this is going to drop right in my lap. And it did. Earlier this week, I found out I would have eight minutes to speak to Tyler Henry. And as a big fan of his Netflix series, I nearly lost my mind. And right away, I just wrote down as many questions as I could think of because eight minutes goes by so quickly. And here is that eight minutes with Tyler Henry. Hello, hello. How's it going? Ah, I can't Good morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like all the uh, other people feel when they meet you. I'm so grateful. Um, That's so sweet. <laughs> where talk. are you? You're good? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm good. Happy to be talking to you bright and early this morning. I've got my coffee in hand, and I'm excited to chat. <laughs> Wonderful. I have some questions. Can I just fire away? Let's do it. Let's fire away. Why did the deceased give you death details more than they give you life details? Why don't they come through with, hi, it's Bob, and I loved golf? Why do they talk about how well, they died? Well, I think because oftentimes death is a big part of what causes people to die. <laughs> I know that might seem like a weird statement, but it, it's the truth. And so as a result of that, that being the catalyst that acts as a transition from this realm to the next, it's often one of the first identifying factors that comes through. It's a way of substantiating the connection with the person that's passed by often connecting to details about what led up to their kind of physical transition. Um, they, on the other side, acknowledge birth, death, as all kind of being um, along the same lines and, and obvious different, obviously different ways, but kind of similar mechanisms. So um, oftentimes, you know, they'll refer to birth, how they passed, um, the life details certainly come through, but I think it's uh, in part just because that's what gets them where they're at, how now, they passed. Now, we love you and we want you around always, but why do the people on the other side need you? Why can't they just uh, reach out to their loved ones on their own? I think they do, and I think a lot of people's stories of validation, dream visitations, um, uncanny coincidences, synchronicities, those are all testaments to the fact that uh, there is still some connection to loved ones. And Some people feel that with those who passed, others don't, but if anything, I think I act more as a catalyst for an awareness of those things. You know, when I leave people, not only do I leave them with a reading, but my goal is to leave them with a different framework of viewing life and viewing grief through. And so after I meet with somebody, my goal is to 
kind of leave them with, with a, a different way of thinking that will allow them to kind of be their own medium to some extent. Um, but I certainly believe they do visit. They come through in dreams uh, when we're in more subconscious states. And from what I've gleaned from my own work, uh, my process is very much rooted in the subconscious. And something about me is a bit different uh, in that I can navigate those kind of realms a little bit more easily. Right. Uh, Jesus, Einstein, Gandhi, what about these spirits? Do you ever hear from them? I don't hear from them, but I will say that I view in my work as religion as basically a, a means of connection with a higher power, one that is cultural. And depending on where you are born in this world, uh, that often will inform a lot of your religious beliefs. Um, if I'm born in one place in the world versus another, I'm more likely to culturally be taught one way of thinking. And so I, I think of religion as really kind of a cultural language that we have with God, um, whereas spirituality is more of a purely internal process, something that is implicitly private, something that really is our direct link to a higher power. But uh, that's what I would say the distinguishment between spirituality and religion is. Right. But what could you say, like, I want to I wanna talk to Einstein or someone like that? Could you? Can you reach out to specific people? I have no control over who comes through. So I have learned in my work that, for example, if I have a grandchild of Albert Einstein, um, then I might be able to connect to Albert Einstein. But gotcha. you know, just with intention alone, no, I, I have no means of forcing anybody to come through. And if anything, um, you know, when we talk about why somebody does or doesn't come through, I, I really think of people as being haunted more than places. So think of it that way, as it's kind of more us. As that are the anchors to gotcha. our loved ones gotcha. um, versus the physicality of the world around us. What is happening on the other side? Do people continue to grow or age or just uh, have spiritual growth? So to be clear, I don't claim to have all the answers, and I, I certainly know very little in the grand scheme. But what I will say is the common denominator from the thousands of readings I've done, I've really came to glean that Something about the afterlife process is experiential. It's based off of consciousness. Uh, it doesn't seem to reflect a physical place. Um, and it seems to be very much rooted in introspection. So every soul that comes through acknowledges that they have gone through a process. And this process seems to be kind of akin to what we would call a life review. And so that life review allows people to get an understanding of the ripple effect of how every action and inaction affected the greater collective. And when we get that perspective, when we see things through that lens, I think it allows people to have a much more open-minded perspective. Um, it's, it's, it's a way of them kind of understanding in hindsight what was important and what wasn't. And as they find acceptance in that process, I believe they find peace on the other side. We're talking to Tyler Henry. Life After Death is his show streaming now on Netflix. And the reason why I want my husband to rush out of the house to go to hockey on Wednesday, because I need my alone time with Tyler Henry <laughs> and his family. That's um, right. We want to know, Tyler, what's up with all the scribbling? What's going on? And why must you have pen and paper? So scribbling is really my way of turning on and turning off. And scribbling started when I was in high school. I was talking to a girlfriend on the phone, and we were chatting, and I was doodling on a piece of paper, as you do when you're talking on the phone. And I started finding that as I would put the pen to paper, I just started kind of focusing on my imagination. And I was kind of going into the ADHD land, and I couldn't really concentrate on what my friend was saying. And I started realizing that something was happening, something very real. And so I started implementing this practice and found that, 
for some reason, doodling just acted as the catalyst. It kind of got me into an altered state of mind that was necessary to facilitate a, a more subconscious realm, which is really what I believe my, my ability comes from. So scribbling is just a way of turning on. And what's going on in your head? Do you see pictures? I know you feel things in your body, but do you see pictures too? Yeah, as a clairvoyant, most of my imagery comes through as just that, as imagery that, that's very um, kind of visual in nature. Sometimes it'll come through as like a strong memory that isn't mine. Um, but equally, it can feel oftentimes like having a song stuck in my head. Sometimes I'll even get smells or physical sensations. So I always say my sixth sense kind of uses the other five senses to communicate. Um, it's very subtle. It's not at all like seeing dead people walking around. If that were the case, my job would be insurmountably easier. Um, if anything, I've just trained myself to be kind of hyper aware of those subtle changes that go on in my body. Right. So first of all, I, on behalf of all your fans, we would love you even if you weren't a medium. Do you understand that? Like, there's <laughs> something... Oh, so meaningful. I appreciate There's that. really <laughs> something so special about you that even if you didn't speak to spirits, we still just want to hang out with you and your mom. Um, and the other thing I want to say, uh, Tyler Henry, is we, it's very important to us, your fans, that this does not consume you. You know what I mean? Like, Thank you. We, sure, sure. Like, no, I, I definitely have learned a little bit more of a work-life balance since the show, and the responses have just been overwhelming it, you know, to the new Netflix show. I feel so thankful and so, so supported. It's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, we just, like, you know, the burning bush, it was a flame but not consumed. That's what we need from our Tyler Henry. We need you to be happy and healthy Aww. and live a long life and have lots of fun. And um, we are also grateful for the way you have have risen, taken our vibration higher and given us a new way to look uh-huh. at life. Uh, you have just a few seconds okay. left. What do you want to say to your fans? Go right ahead. Oh, I'm just so thankful for everyone's responses, and I hope that in watching the show, in watching the readings, people are able to really relate to them. And even if you're not getting a one-on-one reading yourself, I've found that in these readings, there's a reason something draws people to watch these experiences, and you might find that you relate to the stories of other people, and through their healing, I hope that you find a sense of healing as well. That, that's really what it's all about. So thank you for today. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tyler Henry. I'm going to get off the line and scream really loud now. Yay! All right, have a good day. Bye! And I did let out one heck of a scream. That's Tyler Henry. And if you don't know him, catch his series on Netflix called Life After Death. It really is remarkable. And what's really remarkable about him is there's something just so clear and bright and lovely about this young man that really, I don't know, there's something super special about him. So check out the series if you haven't already. And you'll see what I mean. And after we did the interview and I screamed, I immediately regretted firing all those questions at him. I just wish I had taken those eight minutes and just hung out with him, just asked him questions about how he has fun and, you know, if he likes chocolate cake or, (laughs) I don't know, just normal everyday questions. I wish I could have given him that. And I wish I could have spent that kind of time with him because um, the answers to these questions that I asked him, you can pretty much gather when you watch his show Life After Death on Netflix. But I was happy to hear him answer them. And more than anything else, I was happy for his signature, woohoo, you know, that little bit of um, 
super sparkle that he brings to things. I was so happy to share that with him and not just watch it on TV. So very, very grateful for that Tyler Henry chat. That's eight minutes. And he said us at the end, we'll talk again. And I'm like, counting on it. So I hope that does happen. I do enjoy him so much. So uh, earlier this week, the craziest thing happened. And I'm going to share the story with you because often people share these kinds of stories. And um, well, I'll just share the story with you and you can make up your mind. So I was out walking the dogs on, uh, on Wednesday and I found a quarter walking the dogs. And that's odd because where we're walking is like not a place where you find change. We were kind of like in a wooded area. And I saw that quarter and I right away thought of my dad. My dad always had like a stack of quarters on his dresser. And I'm like, hey, dad. And I pick up the quarter. Next day, out walking with the dogs somewhere else, like a different part of town entirely. And I found a dime. And some people find dimes all the time. I'm not one of those people. But I'm like, hmm, found a quarter one day, found a dime the next day. Interesting. Put that in my pocket, too. Uh, I think it was Saturday morning I noticed that the stone in the silver ring that I wear on the index finger of my right hand, the stone had fallen out of the ring. And it's a real pretty silver setting, sits up high. And this um, sort of like oddly shaped blue stone sat in the setting. It's it's like... um, it's like almond-shaped. The stone was almond-shaped. And when I bought it from J. Mark Jewelers, they said, you know, this is an um, estate piece. This is an estate piece. We know the setting is unique, and we know the setting is silver, but we can't verify the stone. It could be blue whatever, or it could just be, you know, plastic. Who knows? I just like the color. That's all. So I noticed that some point over the weekend that the stone was missing from the piece of jewelry. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. I really I really liked that ring, and maybe I'll get another piece of stone put in there. And I said to myself, I'm really surprised that it lasted this long, because with my pets and my gardening and my chickens and, you know, my floor washing, um, I'm surprised the stone didn't fall out sooner. So the weekend went by, and Everyone knows, or women know, <laughs> during the weekend, you will clean out your kitchen sink, I don't know, 11 times, right? You uh, wipe it out, you rinse the dishes, you wipe it out again, you sprinkle some Bonami in there, you scrub it a little bit, get the coffee stains out. And that was my weekend. I had a weekend of cleaning my kitchen sink. Monday morning, I get up to go to work, alone in the dark, All the pets and the man are still fast asleep. And I turn on the light over the sink to hit the button on the coffee machine. And sitting in the sink was the blue stone from my silver ring. Now, there's just no way it could have been in the sink all weekend because my husband and I both washed the sink countless, countless times. And this little blue stone just seemed to fall out of the heavens. I don't know. Just fell out of nowhere. Now, is that someone from the beyond contacting me? I don't know. Maybe. It's fun to think. It feels good to have hope. It feels good to feel a connection. It feels good to interpret things as signs. It's a comfort. It felt like a real special treat to find that blue stone. Which, by the way, I don't think it's a gemstone at all. But I'm going to take it back to J-Mark and have them glue it back in. Right? 
Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for tuning in to Shine On. If you're traveling along with our 40-day journey, we're getting close to wrapping it up. But does this work with our intentions ever really end? You can find out more at caseysplace.com. Mother's Day is coming up. We've got a Mother's Day retreat planned for the Mariondale Retreat Center. And I'm excited about putting together a program for young women this summer. If I ever get like five hours by myself, I'm going to plot this whole thing out. It will be a paid internship for young women to learn the ways of Let It Shine, how we do things, how we treat each other. Looking forward to that. So if you have a high school age daughter in Westchester that might be interested, let me know. Got to get that up at caseysplace.com. Maybe if I stop watching so much darn TV, like Tyler Henry on Netflix and The Gilded Age. I think that's on HBO. Gosh, I love that so much. So I had the opportunity to meet author Maya Rodale. Maya has written a new book called The Mad Girls of New York. It's historical fiction. And it's about the fearless reporter of the Gilded Age, Nellie Bly. And then I started thinking, well, my goodness, there is a fearless young female reporter in the Gilded Age on HBO. Maya, are you watching it? Absolutely. Is that Nellie Bly? That is the era of Nellie Bly. And the show Gilded Age is very uptown focused. But Nellie Bly was way more downtown. So the Gilded Age has a very fancy aspect to it and then a grittier and more fun aspect. So Nellie's the grittier, more fun. All right. So tell us, The Mad Girls of New York, your latest. It looks like a page turner and and also a little bit of history. Tell us all about it. Sure. Thank you. Um, So it's great to be here talking with you about Nellie Bly and The Mad Girls of New York. It is a novel um, inspired by the true story of Nellie Bly, who in 1887 ran off to New York City to be a reporter. And her first big story was to fake insanity, get herself committed to the women's insane asylum and write about it. And she did this. And my novel is about her story of doing that, but it incorporates the history of New York City at the time. I delve a lot into Nellie's female friendships, and there's a little bit of romance, too. Wonderful. How did you discover the story? You know, I always vaguely knew about Nellie Bly. There's a lot of kids' books about her, like she's a great, you know, she persisted kind of story. Um, And there actually is that book. But I was reading a book called Cranks and Charmers, and there was a chapter on Nellie Bly. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I need to write about her. Her childhood nickname was Pink. She was an undercover reporter, a single woman in New York City in the 1880s, the most famous reporter in America. And then she goes around the world on a stunt and comes back with a pet monkey. Like, every detail of her life just wants to be a novel. How did she get the nickname Pink? So her mom dressed her in, like, really frilly, pink, girly clothes when she was a kid. And so everyone called her Pink. Her real name was Elizabeth. Um, and then when she started writing for newspapers, she needed a pseudonym. And so she took the name Nellie Bly, which was a popular song at the time. Oh, Nellie Bly was a song. Yeah. and wow. it's <laughs> A true character. Where did she come from? She came from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I'm also a Pennsylvania girl who ran off to New York City. So I felt that kinship with her. 
And she lived most of her life in New York City, a little bit in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, she became a city girl. Very cool. All right. Um, what else do you want people to know about you and all your writing? Oh, thank you. That's a big question. Well, my name is Maya Rodell. I write historical fiction about daring women. Predominantly so far, I've written historical romance, kind of like Bridgerton, um, kind of like Gilded Age. So if you like those two shows, you'll love any of my historical romance novels. And The Mad Girls of New York is my first work of historical fiction, but it takes what I love in a novel um, and puts that on the page. So daring women, uh, vivid portrayals of history, female friendship, a little bit of romance. And just lots of fun. Yeah. I'm afraid to watch Bridgerton because I know I'll get sucked in. But I, I know, I just know it's like, oh, Take the I'm going to give them hours of my life. But I had to watch The Gilded Age because so much of it is filmed here in the Hudson Valley at Lindhurst right. Mansion in Terrytown. That's right. Did you get to see any of the yes, filming? Yeah, I didn't get to see the filming, but I'm there a lot. I, I, my friends have a theater troupe, and they do theater in the castle. So I always get to see their plays in the castle, and it's just a beautiful place to catch a sunset, take a walk, go to the gift shop. So that's why I got in with Gilded Age. And then I'm reading about you, and I'm like, hmm, Gilded Age... Put a, mm-hmm. a, a brave little young female news reporter in there. Hmm. That's right. Very cool. That's right. What made you fall in love with reading and writing? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I have to say it was, I came from a very bookish family, lots of readers, lots of writers, but I think it was the Book It program. Um, I'm going to date myself, but when I was in elementary school, every time you read a book, you got a sticker and if you got enough stickers you could go to pizza hut and get a personal pan pizza and so um that was the way my mom and i could go out to dinner and i could get some junk food and um i think that's what really got me hooked on reading and i hope mothers and fathers and teachers are listening to this i work with two 50 year old women at a thrift store and they still talk about the summer they competed at the library for one of these types of things where you'd read a book and and you'd get a little sticker next to your name in the library and the two of them competed you know riding their bikes to the library um to to compete in this book competition i guess it works maya i think so and the other thing i have to add is that um i was always allowed to read whatever i wanted and that was you know i read fun books and so when i had friends who said i hate reading i said you're you're not reading fun books Anything a kid wants to read that's entertaining is going to be great. All right, Maya Rodell, The Mad Girls of New York. What's the big dream? What's coming next for your writing? I am all Nelly all the time right now. The Mad Girls of New York comes out on April 26th, and I've got a bonus scene on my website for anyone who loves the book and wants a little more. Oh, that's so very Um, sweet. (laughs) Thanks. And that's MayaRodale.com. At any point in the book, did you feel Nelly whispering in your ear? A little bit. I did feel Nelly. You know, she's got a story that just wants to be told and her work is so important and relevant today and she really changed representation for women in the media in tremendous ways and I I think you know she deserves credit and you know Nellie liked credit oh she did she liked being in the spotlight her name was in the headline of all of her stories in a time when even male reporters didn't get a byline and she liked it like that and your book will tell us how she did that 
Yes, every step of the way. And I can't wait to read how she got out of the um, insane asylum that she faked her way into. And it was a question of if she was going to get out and when and how. She didn't know. And it's all in there. It's all in there. Maya Rodale, a beautiful and accomplished author. The Mad Girls of New York, doesn't that sound like a great read? A Nellie Bly novel. I would love to read that, but I don't have time. If it ever comes on Netflix and I could sit with my feet up in a glass of wine... Yes, I'll be there. I'll be there. And I'll be back here soon. Meanwhile, let's meet at caseysplace.com. Check out the 40-day journey. Wishing you a beautiful, hopeful spring. Our thought for the day is by Ruben Alves, who said, Hope is hearing the melody of the future. Faith is to dance it. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine On.